And we're back. I'm your host, Comic Tom. I, I grew up in the back of a comic book store, and now I make comic book content for a living. I'm here with my best friends. We have uh, Jeff, the Golden Age Guru. What's going on, guys? I specialize in books from 1938 to 1955, Overstreet Advisor, anything that's old in the comic. I'm your man. It's a very specific range of years. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize the Golden Age was that, that ironclad on either end. I'm Ryan. I'm Fire Guy Ryan, as some people call me. Uh, if we can say Jeff specializes in gold, I specialize in modern. If I specialize in anything at all, it would be uh, modern age comic books. If you are new to the channel, hit subscribe because we do make a lot of comic book themed content. And I'd like to remind our audience that we actually keep the conversation going at the end after the podcast is over for our audio-only listeners. So if you want to consume the content in that fashion, I mean, 40 minutes is a pretty long time, well, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. So before we get into the show, because we got a packed show today, we got a lot of news, we got a lot of books to talk about. We're talking about uh, direct and newsstand edition news. We're talking about Carnage. We're talking about Kickstarters. We have a guest coming on the show today. It's really exciting. But before we do that, we got to talk about our sponsors. The first sponsor of the show is the Mystery Mail Call. What makes the show possible? It's our comic book subscription service where we send you comic books monthly in the mail. The deadline to join is the 15th. And this month, the theme, the big books that we're sending out, is a lot of ASM 361 goodness, first appearance of Carnage. So if you want to join the community, hit the link in the bio or go to comictom101.com to join the community. Our second sponsor is Key Collector, the go-to app that you need on your phone or any mobile device to really keep you in contact with everything that's happening with the comic collectible market, just information at all on movie buzz, and just any way your books can really be affected by what's happening outside of the pages in the environment that's just so moving so fast right now for all of us. If you want to keep up with us, well, download Key Collector. You can hit the links in the bio or go to wherever you download apps and make sure to use Tom 101 in the coupon code to get a free week subscription. All right, let's jump right into it because we have our key alert of the week. What is a key alert, Jeff? So it's a notification that you're going to get directly of just what's happening with some cool book at the moment. That's right. Any news you're going to find out via Key Collector, via notification. And the one that we have today is pretty exciting. Ryan. This one, this one kind of piqued my interest a few days ago. There was, a, there was a notification about the new director for Venom 2, the Venom sequel, is going to be Andy Serkis. The master of motion capture. I am so excited about this news. How do you feel about this, Ryan? Uh, I've been a huge fan of his for almost 20 years now since, uh, since he was Gollum. He's, he's the guy who brought Gollum to life in the Lord of the Rings films. Uh, he's the man behind Caesar in the recent Planet of the Apes trilogy. He's kind of the go-to actor that you get to play motion capture roles. And it's it's awesome that he's uh, taking a step behind the camera to start directing the Venom sequel. Yeah, and that's not easy to do. you got to think about that. You're trying to create something that you're not and make it and communicate that in such a way that it's actually something that's recognizable as a creature of some kind. And so to do that, it's almost like an overacting, and you have to embody some type of beast almost, because that's kind of what he's been doing. He's taking over a creature and not just selling, like, some typecasted, you know, meathead or, like, criminal. He's, he's, he's embodying an animal or some kind of other supernatural thing. Absolutely. He's the puppeteer and the marionette at the same time. It takes a different level of acting. I mean, you, you got to go deep. This isn't just something that you can take on like Jared Leto style and be the Joker in public to really take on the character, not just become it, but he also has to take that extra step and watch a screen and see how he's actually portraying the character. This is someone we want to do a movie that's filled with CGI and characters that can't exist like Venom. This movie's probably going to be like almost all motion capture, and it, it'll be cool to see what kind of perspective he can bring to uh, the symbiotes in this sequel, which is apparently going to have quite a bit of carnage in it, I would imagine. So uh, maybe that being more of an animalistic, kind of violent, angry symbiote would be, it'd be cool to see what he can, what he can bring to it. I can't imagine he's going to play both characters, so he has to somehow communicate how, how it needs to be played so it can transcend the screen, which is like a whole other thing. Like he's going to be a director, which he hasn't, I don't think he's been the director really for anything other than been the actor. So it's going to be interesting if he can do that or play that role. So with this news, naturally we have some Spider-Man books spiking and the first that come to mind is 299 and 300. And we're going to continually see that as more of these movies play out. But knowing that carnage is coming soon, we have some other books to keep an eye out for. 
Most people know that Carnage's first full appearance is in Amazing Spider-Man 361, but we're seeing the surrounding books start to gain as well. You have a cameo in 360, and then you have a second appearance in 362. You can't fit the bill for the 361? Then go to 360 and 362. There's still great appearances of this character. Definitely more affordable. All right, let's move on because we have some news, kind of, from Endgame. Ryan, what's going on here? Is this the Gwen Stacy thing? That's oh, right. Yeah, Not Gwen Stacy. Right? Maybe not. I don't Maybe know. Maybe not. Maybe. We don't know. That's true. I go back and forth on this one. There's uh, rumors. Is that the right word for this? There's yeah. some talk about uh, the the end scene of Avengers Endgame, one of the ending scenes. It had a few endings, I would say, throughout the, the final part of that movie. But there's a moment where Peter Parker and his best friend go back to school. And they kind of walk off into the distance. And in the foreground, we see a bunch of students, you know, walking in the hallways like like kids do at school. And one of them is dressed a lot like uh, Gwen Stacy, Spider Gwen, Ghost Spider, whatever we want to refer to her as now. It's hard to it's hard to keep it all straight, really. But one of one of the kids in the school is dressed like Gwen Stacy. Well, we have like a skirt that has webbing. Yeah, it's just kind of insinuating, maybe. I mean, you know how fans are; they're gonna take anything, look at it, and maybe translate it into something. And maybe this really is an Easter egg. You know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's a gal um, with a pink backpack. Yeah, that's the thing that is kind of setting the alarms for people in the spec market and those who are trying to figure out if this is an Easter egg or not. Yeah, I mean, people like Spider-Gwen in the multiverse, so I don't see why... It's a fair guess to assume that at some point her and, I would argue, more likely Miles would be making the jump from, you know, the uh, into the Spider-Verse to live action here sooner rather than later. But I'm personally of the the belief that this is just like a a visual Easter egg in, in the overall crowd of endgame you're like i gotta see it to believe it i don't think they're setting up like i don't think this same actress is going to jump into the next spider-man movie and be like hey guys remember me i was in the background of avengers endgame i just remember the peter parker thing in iron man 2 when he was the little boy with the iron man mask on pretending to blast the robots and then they said that guy is peter parker like this 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 feels similar to that i'm excited to know whether this is true or not because i'm a big spider-gwen fan and right now spider-gwen is being done by sean and mcguire who is a family friend so I'm just a diehard supporter, and I have a huge bias. So there is that to be said. But I do think that this is interesting stuff, but let's keep in mind that post-Endgame, everyone was talking about A-Force. There's going to be an A-Force, right? I mean, we saw the shot. We saw all of these really strong female leads all in one screen, and books started to spike, and we haven't heard anything from that yet. All right, we got some viewer comments to read, some comments that caused a little bit of discussion that I had to pause so that we can do it here on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, we, we just, like, just like we just touched on Goon. All right, Goon put out number five issue, the fifth issue, uh, ahead of number four, okay? And a lot of people commented on that because that threw a lot of people off. And one comment in particular, which really, was this, which really kind of uh, went along with a lot of other people. Okay, let me read this to you verbatim. Thank you for letting us know Goon 4 was skipped. 5 came out, and next issue 4 comes out later. I couldn't find it anywhere, but I wasn't asking the local comic shop owner because I didn't want to sound stupid. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. People just feeling a little insecure about even talking to their comic book shop owner. Yeah, because you're reading this and you're just like, you think, well, how did I miss it? It must be me. And Ooh. it's not you. I've missed plenty of comics in my time, though. It, it happens, you know. I just don't, don't mention it. I assume I missed it and move on. And they continue the comments saying, instead, the whole reason was stupid and wasted a lot of time. Good thing I like this series so much. There you go. Well, people who love the goon, they're going to be patient and they're going to keep buying it. But clearly, I'm, just, I'm not sure that this landed. So um, thanks for the comment. We do appreciate that. We had another one that was uh, poking fun at me. Yeah, it was hilarious. I was, I was in the car when I read this. And I laughed you were, straight out loud. Were you driving? I, of course I was not so, driving. <laughs> you're, dri- you're, just <laughs> watching. you're just driving around. <laughs> I, I did. I, I'm not kidding you. You know, when you put LOL, laugh out loud, sometimes you just write that. I literally laughed out loud. Okay. So Tom, when he was referencing a certain file format called a GIF, he called it a GIF. Yeah, I called it a GIF. I did that. So, so he got called out on that. All right. And someone wrote, wait, who calls GIFs GIFs? I kind of like it. I'm already saying Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it hurts a little bit, but Pretty it's good. true. Okay, but you know, to be fair, 
this is a little bit of a debate topic. So this I've is heard another. Other people say GIF, right? No, it's not just you. But it's not just it is me. Wrong. Okay, well you can put it in the comment section and let me know what you think, comic fam. Should I be saying GIF or GIF? All right, let's get into the next topic here. We have what I think is going to be the biggest comic book potentially of the year right now. It's being said that this comic is the gold standard for crossover events. You know, we're talking about absolute carnage. Sir Kate's coming on strong this week, putting out this fantastic book, putting out a book that, you know what? Some people will say it's a fast read and I'll argue with you and say it's not. This is a book that you want to read slow because you got to take it all in. Ryan, how many pages are in this damn thing? A whole lot. I wasn't counting, but... It's at least twice the size of a normal comic, if not if not more than that. But it does it does kind of go quick. There's a lot of there's a lot of action and for the uninitiated kind of person, like I haven't been reading the Venom run. I read like his first trade, I think, of, of Donny Cates' Venom run, but I'm not current on that by any stretch of the means. There's a lot of uh backstory explanation that happens in the beginning of this and it's kinda easy to to miss a lot of the important stuff there. I really enjoy that about his writing because that's what I was concerned about. I've read a lot, but I haven't read everything. But within the first few pages, I feel like I didn't really have to. I'm pretty caught up. And this book is so good. I can't press it enough. I haven't enjoyed reading a comic book this year this much since reading Immortal Hulk. Yeah, this this really gets down to the beginning of the symbiotes, right? I mean, we're talking back to Canole again, the start of it all. And just the movement of where we're at. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because you no. went through the whole thing. <laughs> I was going to say correct you if you're wrong on Canole. No, no. Did I say Canole? You I said meant... Canole. Okay. No. I knew it was no. I don't know why I said Canole. That's good. No. <laughs> That's good. So correct you if you're wrong on what else? Uh, just what, what the story was which that you read. Because it, it just seems like it's very um, going to be very intense and very violent. It's got a great fun last page or two where you get yeah. to see... That, you know, I don't know how, how spoilery I want to get let's, into Let's it. not get into it. We're going to let the community know that all this right, is right. good, and you got to just get to the end of it. It's worth picking up. It's already buzzing. You're right. You caught me. I almost went too far with it. I'm not going to. And this, is gonna, this could be the biggest book of the year. I mean, I know Spawn 300 is coming out, mm-hmm. but this is, like, this is an epic tale. Spawn 300 is just like a landmark issue, so it's going to be interesting. Another thing that I got to throw out there because I saw this on Bleeding Cool and I thought this was such a cool thing to include in this comic book. Sir Cates is a big fan of Watchmen and there are two references to Watchmen in this comic book. The first one is in reference to how long it took for a particular machine, if you read it, it'll make sense, how long it took to build and it said it was built 35 days ago. Now, 35. Ryan, what does that mean? You're talking about the scene in Watchmen at the end... I'm assuming we can spoil Watchmen. Absolutely. At yeah. the end of Watchmen, when uh, Ozymandias is explaining his plan and saying, you, you think I'd, you know, I'd tell you my whole speech and leave you know, room for you guys to stop me. I already started this thing that's already done. I did it 35 minutes ago. Exactly. And that does kind of tie into the thing in Absolute Carnage when he says, like, I built this machine 35 days ago. Absolutely. Like, it's already been done. Like, yep. A direct uh, shout out there. I didn't pick up on that the first time either, though. It, it, it's quick. It happens quick unless you're, you know, on your on your toes with your references. And then also, there's another reference at the very end because there's some files. Oh, right, at the end of the book, when there's like some kind of bonus material almost, which I think in and of itself is like it reminds you of the the Rorschach. There's uh, files, I guess you could say too, the one in Rorschach's chapter of Watchmen when his uh, psychologist is like analyzing him. That's right. You get a lot of his uh, doctor notes and stuff. So we're getting some doctor notes on Cletus Cassidy. And also we got a reference here. There's a patient number on this document and it says ASM 010361. And we have just talked about ASM 361, the first appearance of Carnage. So this is some fun stuff. I like where the story is going. I like these little Easter eggs. It makes me feel like the writer, uh, Sir Cates, is writing this not just for... The masses, like he's trying to get so many people into comic books. He's saying he wanted to break records with this, and I think he may come close. But he's also writing it for the comic book fans, and, I, and I'm feeling that here. Yeah, I think you can. It's it's funny too because I was I was thinking, and he even looks like Rorschach without the mask, like Cletus Cassidy. And uh, you think Sir Cates looks Walter. like Rorschach? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> no, I'm thinking like Carnage and Rorschach look alike. Oh, okay. They're, yeah. They're, they're human personalities. Yeah, they're, with the hair, the orange hair and everything. Yeah, they're angry gingers, you know. <laughs> angry gingers. That's good. It's good. All right. Uh, now we need to welcome our first guest on the podcast, Lady Death creator, 
owner of Coughing Comics, Brian Polito. Let's chat with him about some Kickstarter he's doing. <laughs> oh, Brian Polito, my man. It's so good what, to see what, what, you. What? Comic Tom, awesome to see you, man. Really fun meeting you at San Diego Comic-Con. I like that you brought, brought the knowledge so you didn't roll up like some newbie. You busted out that Commandy 19 and you were hauling your uh, 30 Days a Night hardcover. And I was looking at it. I'm like, okay, this kid ain't playing. Right on. That's Let's right. talk comics. I had to, man. I had to. And you know what? I'm glad that you're here today. First off, thanks for being the first guest on the show. Well, wow, thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Well, I had to get you on here because you just did something crazy. I yeah. have been excited about this Kickstarter that you've been telling me about over this last month. I yeah. look at my phone to see it announced. Dang thing is funded over 100K. What the heck, man? How did you do that? Well, that's going to be a master class. Uh, you know, at a certain level, I think there's a little magic and a little alchemy involved. Okay, Perhaps okay. 28, years in the, 28 years in the game helps. But uh, look, we try to make the, the launch of our kicks a peak marketing event. We put an enormous amount of effort and energy into communicating our launch with the hope that people will show up all at the same time and try to try to just knock Kickstarter crazy. And I think this time it, it happened. For about 25 seconds there, we launched our Kickstarter and it just stayed at zero. <laughs> We're wondering, I'm like, okay, I hope people are backing it. But I think what happened was it just got mercilessly attacked. And then suddenly the numbers were going, Woo! Where are we at right now for this Kickstarter? I think right now we're about 45 hours into this Kickstarter and we're at about $211,000, 1,440 backers. Our funding goal, which is a goal we established a long time ago, was $15,000. It cost a heck of a lot more than that to print and you know pay for everything, but I guess it's kind of a ceremonial goal we have at this point. And I think we hit that within something like 35 seconds and that we blew past that and we actually hit 100K 21 minutes in. At the 26th hour, we actually hit 200K. So it's a completely remarkable time and we are internally indebted to the fiends, to the sworn, and to all who dig this stuff. You have definitely gone out of your way this month because I saw that last weekend all of a sudden stuff started getting really, really busy because yeah. I know you had another <laughs> Kickstarter that funded and yes. and you gotta we gotta go through this process of what you just went through because okay. this last weekend I imagine you had a ton of shipping that you had to do last minute and it's it was crazy. It was crazy. So this is what happened. Um, it's true we launched another Kickstarter in May, La Muerta Ascension, and that was the fifth chapter in Maria Diaz's life. And we always intended to ship that book by the Monday we just had, which I believe was August 5. We submit our Lady Death Blasphemy anthem to Kickstarter for approval Wednesday morning. And I didn't hear back from them until Friday at 2 p.m. And the message, the response I got from Kickstarter was, we can't consider you launching your new project until you ship your, fulfill your pro other project in its entirety. Yeah, and that was like, Friday got really real up in here in, in Coffin Comics, man. So uh, I think we bugged out for a grand total of two or three minutes. Look, we had always intended to ship by that Monday, but we were a little freaked out because we wanted to get the, uh, the all clear. So I did ask the Coffin crew to come in on a Saturday, their day off. Everyone was kind enough. Uh, and we got in there, we rocked out the final 300 packages. Like we just all went into overdrive. That Friday, we had a big pickup that we, we actually intended for everything to be picked up on Monday by the United States Postal Service, but we're like, nope, bring your cars, here we go, and we actually did get it all shipped. It was bananas by that Saturday at 2 o'clock, then I recommunicated to Kickstarter saying I could provide any kind of proof that you want. Monday rolls around, I get up early, so... I'm imagining Kickstarter's on the East Coast, and I'm looking for a response, looking for a response. 9, 9 a.m. my time, no response. Noon their time, oh boy. Uh, 9.30, no response, uh-oh. Then finally, 10 o'clock, I check back in. It's like, boom, you've been approved. So we're like, yes, oh, we're back goodness. in the game. And we were oh. going to give it to about Tuesday at noon, but, man, it was, it was good to get the green light. It was a dramatic weekend, for sure. Wow. Well, I have to give you kudos for that because in this last year, I have – 
reported and discussed the issue of content creators who make comic books who funded off Kickstarter and then years go by years go it's by freaky. without fulfillment and it's it is freaky because this is such a great platform to have independent comics actually become a yes. thing and you are yes. you know you've been doing this for two over two decades now yep. so I just want to like showcase this to the community that if done correctly this is what happens you fund your Kickstarter in hours and it's amazing and, I, and your fans see the dedication well I gosh I mean you know that it brings up a lot of thoughts for me uh, how I feel when I started coffin comics it really came out of the terrible and long litigation against a former publisher for control of the character lady death and as part of the settlement I did regain control but I kind of wondered would people really care and I use crowdfunding as a platform and our Kickstarter, first Kickstarter in February 2015, it really, it worked. We took off. It was wonderful. And particularly that first year, every single Kickstarter we did had to work because the lawsuit itself took us almost to the edge of financial ruin. And then everything was a risk of these dollars rolling and rolling and rolling. But the whole time it seemed incumbent upon me to kind of deliver on the promise, which is if I say it's coming out, it's coming out. I mean, as corny as it sounds, man, we just use all basic business principles. Like how would I want to be treated as a customer? And when we receive those funds, we don't feel there are funds until people get their rewards. So it's just, it's not really our money. And I kind of have that feeling. I think culturally inside a coffin, that's exactly how we feel. Kickstarter seems to have this policy now. We're already taking steps on Lady Death Blasphemy Anthem to see what can we do to kind of nip and tuck and shave some days off so that we could for sure get this super ambitious campaign with 38 rewards and all kinds of stuff. How can we get that out before we launch our next one, which is uh, Hell Witch the Forsaken. So this Kickstarter is up right yep. now, and although it's funded, yep. you can still back it, correct? In yeah, absolutely. We encourage you to back it. Currently, we're uh, Late Death Blasphemy Anthem is a 48-page. It will be square-bound, co-written by myself and Mike McLean, illustrated by Diego Bernard, colored by C.C. De La Cruz, and lettered by veteran letterer Marshall Dillon. It is the 10th chapter in the Coffin Comics era of Lady Death, and we encourage everyone to consider it. Come, go to Kickstarter. Ooh, I guess I'll do you one better I, in the link in the bio, too. I'm going to put it there. Link so in the bio, link in the bio, link in the bio. You got it. Always delivering more and more quality. I got to throw this out there, too, because I know you're a fan of uh, Jim Starlin. Yes, the I Infinity am. Gauntlet homage. Yes, oh, sir. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this book is amazing. Comic fan, yes. this is what it's about. I need this book. Yeah, I'm a big Jim Starlin fan. We had, been, we had discussed that previously. And knowing that this storyline, Blasphemy Anthem, is a love letter to the great and epic crossovers of the past, like Secret Wars and Crisis, I thought a way to highlight that is to homage one of the finest storylines of all time. And if you notice... On the gauntlet, instead of circular gems, we have the coffin shape. You know, we're all diehard supporters out here. Thank you. And you're a role model for all these other independent <laughs> creators. And, Thank you, you know, we're excited to see you uh, find success. Keep rocking the free world, my brother. You too, Comic Tom. You're the greatest man. Really appreciate you. Holler out to all the boys and ghouls out there. Consider Coffin Comics. Geek responsibly. That definitely just happened in real time right now. Absolutely. Sure did. Thank you so much to Brian Polito. Shout out to Jimmy and the rest of the Coffin Comics crew. All right. So I want to know, Jeff, what's something that you like most about YouTube? Yeah, we kind of talked about this earlier. And I like the what ifs on YouTube. Like, what if this happened? Or could you see this occurring? Or buzz. And like, that is just endless there every day from multiple platforms. Like you get like, into it just lost in the youtube hole just watching videos yeah like if i want anything in comics that's just comics alone i mean there's so many other things to go down rabbit holes but for the comics i just can't get enough really half the time and one of the things i heard today that really kind of sparked like i don't know kind of a little bit of excitement for me as i was listening to it was the a notion that old man cap at the end of avengers endgame could have potentially been stan lee as old man cap like it was possibly planned out, like it was rumored that this may have happened. And I like this idea to an extent. Not sure if he had the acting chops, but I think that this is a fun thing to think about. You know, I mean, I don't think in theory it would have been great. I really don't. But, I mean, just the idea was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. 
You know, what do you as, think? As like a respect thing, I guess it would be cool if that scene wasn't so important to the overall movie. And if it was, it was a pretty long scene with you know him talking to uh, to Sam. And I feel like Stanley, yeah, doesn't have the acting chops to kind of hold a scene like that and hold the moment and, and the intensity that, that that moment required. So I think it's better that they went with a made-up Chris Evans, but. Maybe like a cameo or like a quick shot of old man Stan as 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 Cap. Like I thought, it was a little strange that it doesn't appear to be that they have like a backlog of cameos. Russ and I were chatting earlier in the year, and we were under the impression that they had a bunch of stuff already filmed so that he would be able to make cameo after cameo after cameo. And it doesn't seem like that's the case. Yeah, you would think that would be kind of something that you would almost have for your fans internally, really. Right. But I don't know, man. Thinking about that is just kind of like he's going to be exploited post-mortem. And we all know that there was rumors of him being exploited when he was alive, let alone like now deceased. So it's just, uh, yeah, that interesting thing. You know, we don't get to see him again. But you know what? I mean, he does have to move on and we all need to. And it was just, it's, uh, man, I miss the guy. I love the guy. Did a huge thing for all of us. We'll get to continue to enjoy his movies with or without him in it, unfortunately. Let, let us know in the comment section if you would have liked to see Stan Lee as Cap, Old Man Cap. Is that something you think would have uh, played out well? All right, let's take a look at this post that has been going through Instagram. It made it on Bleeding Cool. It's I saw it. Ryan saw it. He knew exactly what I was talking about. We're talking about the perils of a comic book store pull list strikes again. Yes. I do remember seeing that picture with uh, that big pile of comics and she's sitting on the floor with the comics and it's all of the pull list people that just decided to stop going to the shop to pick up their comics. That's right. It's a bunch of comics that were unclaimed. And I wanted to just bring this conversation up today because this is a good reminder to explain to the community how comic book orders work, how the comic book market operates, and how the burden falls on the comic book store itself. And it largely has to do with why 90 plus percent of comic book stores that are new close within a year. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. I mean, you got to think you're, you're ordering books and the margins are so tight. I mean, it's if you don't get it, I mean, it's extremely tight. And that's why we're seeing a lot of a huge failure rate with shops. And it's, you know, we get it. I mean, you, you put book for you, maybe you get books, you like to read them, you put them aside, you get, oh, you miss a week, you come back a week, then you're like, oh, okay, whatever. Maybe you're over the title. But uh, just a little communication. That's really it. Like, as a store owner, as many people as I know who have stores, which are quite a few, and I've, I know quite a few that have lost their stores. It's just the lack of communication that, that hurts the most because if it's not something you want to pick up or going to, it's better to cut that off sooner than later because bo those books are still coming in until That's you right. tell them no. Absolutely. In this picture, it says that these are $800 worth of a you know a short box that has gone unclaimed. It takes months to order comics. So if you are interested in signing up to get a pull list, Russ, our all of our comic book shop guy, our LCS at Mill Geek Comics, he has a Patreon where you can sign up and reserve a shelf where then you can begin your pull list. But it takes a couple months to get your first order in. And then if month over month something's missed, that backlog of comics, that has to be paid for by the store and it's repaid when you go to pick them up. So if one customer has $800 worth of comic books that are unclaimed, that customer has other comic books on order that that comic book shop's going to be stuck with, let alone the pile that's just sitting there of an investment that that shop owner made for you, the consumer, to come and pick it up on good faith. So it's a nice reminder, pick up your comic books on Wednesdays. It's something that we like to voice on the channel a lot, not just because we have ties to a comic book store, because it is not an easy business. And if you want the comic book market to succeed, you got to buy, but you got to pick up your comics. I'm guilty of this. Ghosted my 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 first comic book shop. Uh, apologies, apologies to the comic stop in Linwood, Washington. I don't know if they're still in business anymore. It probably wasn't my fault, but you know, I definitely just stopped going. Oh wait, I which, didn't tell them which one was this comic stop. Oh yeah, that was your fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah they told fault. you. They told yeah. you. Yeah, they like, said, that, that damn Ryan, fire guy Ryan. <laughs> I know, but you know better now. I do, and it doesn't sound like it was a short box worth of comics. No, but it was, it was, it was quite a bit. <laughs> All right, well, Ryan's letting, Ryan's letting it all out. He's letting everyone know. Hey, feels good. It feels good to confess. All right, he's been holding that one in for a long time. Okay, um, happy birthday 
to James Gunn. James oh. Gunn had a birthday today. I wasn't gonna say happy birthday to you, Ryan. I thought you meant me. I was like, it's not my birthday, but I'll take I'll take your one wishes. <laughs> We're talking about it because this guy got some cakes and uh, plural. Well, yeah, he got more than one. Multiple cakes. Yeah, and you know what the cakes were? Uh-huh. More than one. That's all I need to know, bastard. <laughs> one cake isn't good enough. No, one cake wasn't. I've only good ever enough. gotten one birthday cake. No, what was on the cake? I'm derailing this whole plot point. There we go. Yeah, I was, like it. It was King Shark. That's right. You got King Shark That's on the right. cake. That's right. And it's not like it's Shark Week on TV right now. No, no. Yeah. This is uh, this is definitely letting us know that something is coming soon. And I'm so excited to hear that James Gunn is back, slated to be the director of Suicide Squad number two, and seeing King Shark on this cake is definitely letting us know something. And because of that, we're seeing the spike for Superboy issue number nine, the first appearance. So we want to throw that out there to the community. We want to let them know that this book is now back up on the rise. It saw some spikes earlier this year. It died back down, chilled out, and it's going right back up after this news. So happy birthday to James Gunn. And also, we saw Brightburn recently. Jeff and I did a video on it. He had ties to the movie. It was more of his uh, brothers that were um, that had to do with like the making of this film. But you can definitely tell that it had a James Gunn feel to it because of how raw this was. And this is just a great example of what we can see in DC now. Potentially just a straight good movie. I hope so. <laughs> the first one was rough, man. I'm I'm still I'm just like I gotta believe it a seed at this point. You know, I just I just can't I can't emotionally jump in yet. What about you, King Shark, scared. man? You're not excited to see King Shark? I liked King Shark on the Flash TV show. I thought that was good too, man. I thought that was good. Now, do I think James Gunn can pull this off? Yes. Am I going to emotionally again invest and like really go all in? No. I got to see it now. I just, I, I can't. I, I got I to gotta get in there and I got to watch it and be like, okay, you did it. What do you think, Ryan? I can't, I can't get too excited if Harley Quinn's involved, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you're not a big Harley Quinn fan, huh? No. I'm not. What are you a fan what of, is dude? Wrong with you, man? I don't know. I'm not. I just something about something about Harley Quinn just really gets me. You mentioned last week that you weren't a big fan of Spawn, but members of the community yes. went to the comment section and berated you. Yes, you, you they went did. in red Spawn. I read the first trade of Spawn this week. Okay, so so what's your response to that? My response. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make that a pun. It was okay. It was a good trade. You know, I'm I'm gonna continue reading it, but I'm not a giant. Sp- I'm not getting a Spawn tattoo. You know, I'm petitioning to get Ryan to right. spawn tattoo. Right, this will be a neck be the, tat. I've been exactly. telling you, dude, you got to get a neck tat of something. Something. You got to get. Maybe spawn, that's dude. it. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> One of the covers to 300. Yeah, Angela, just like a big old right. Angela going on his neck. Yeah. Oh yeah, Let's she comes out of spawn, right? Yeah, that's number nine. Yeah. Oh, I'm almost there. There you go. <laughs> All right, so um, Ryan's reading Spawn. We're talking about James Gunn and Suicide Squad 2. I'm excited. Jeff may not be excited. Ryan doesn't care because of Harley Quinn, but I'm excited because I think there's some potential here. And James Gunn has just a very, very good track record. And I just got th- to mention Super with Rain Wilson. If you haven't seen this movie, it's very mature, but it is such a fun superhero movie. It reminds me of Kick-Ass. I want to chat about Nick's picks now. What is Nick's picks, Jeff? Nick's picks. So just clarify, Nick is the owner and creator of Key Collector, the app. Yeah, he's, okay. the, he's the partner of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his hands in it. All right, guys. And so he has his choices of books, and he's got tons of little subcategories of where things should belong. These are books that he's not sure where to place, but ones you need to know about. Or they're about to be placed, and he wants you to know, based off of his picks, that these are exciting to him. Yeah, and one of the books that we're going to discuss is uh, DC Comics twenty, or excuse me, DC Comics Presents twenty two, but it's the Whitman variant version. Okay, and if you're not familiar with Whitman variants, they came in three packs. They were mostly distributed by Whitman publishers. They had the Whitman logo for the most part, and um, you could buy them at department stores, convenience stores. Like I said, they came in packs. So you had the newsstand versions, okay, and even the comic shop versions, and then you had the three packs, which were a little bit different. But that makes them more rare. They're late 70s to early to mid 80s. So this makes them more rare than the newsstand store version, obviously, because it's just published and distributed by a certain smaller company. So it's just a cool little nuance to the books that you could find, but a little different that those collectors really want. Something to keep in mind here is that this is a little unlike 
what we've seen happen over this last year and a half with Mark Jeweler variants. If you're not familiar with Mark Jeweler variants, these are an insert in the middle of comic books, and it's an ad for a jewelry company. And in this last year and a half, it has taken the collector's by storm, people are after Mark Jeweler variants for all their key appearances, and we're seeing some books double and triple in price depending on the keyworthiness. Now, Whitman variants have not traditionally been expensive. These are not books that you're going to find and be like, all right, I'm in the money. Some, they're going to go, it's like a $1 book is going to go for maybe five, and good luck finding the person who's going to pay top dollar. But this book that you mentioned, is going to surprise every member of the community, and they're going to keep it in mind after this show when they look in Lombok's Forever. So this copy, The Attack of the Human Comet, can sell at a high of $2,200. It's crazy. That is crazy. It's not a key book. This isn't like the first Brainiac or something. No, th that's going to be the most expensive DC Comics Presents book, and that was a long run. Right. Okay, and definitely one of the more expensive books in that time frame, too, when you think about it. And there's just nothing to it other than just a different publisher distributing that book in that time frame. That's right. So you got to keep a lookout for your Mark Jewelers. You got to be up on your DCU logo variants. And you also got to be keeping an eye out for your Whitman comic books now. Crazy time. What a great day to be a collector. All right. Let's jump into talking about some Spider-Man news that I am so stoked about. We had a comic book come out today, Sensational Spider-Man number one, and we saw a new Spider-Man costume here. But this is a Spider-Man costume that you're probably not going to know about unless you know a little bit about the history of the black costume. What is a kind of a unbeknownst to collectors is that the black costume was not Marvel's idea per se. This was something that was submitted by a fan, a suggestion to change the costume to a black suit to offer more of a stealth version of Peter Parker. Now, Jim Shooter liked this idea, kicked this person a few hundred bucks and bought the rights, and then it was history. We had the black suit, later it becomes Venom, and then now we have major keys in the community buying up comic books all day long. So the suggestion that was sent to Marvel was actually published in a handful of comic books. One in particular we got to talk about is Marvel Age 12. Now, this wasn't the earliest publication of this, but it was the first time it was revealed that this white emblem, the spider, was actually red. And in today's comic book release, we see this particular suit and we see credit given to the original creator that sent in that suggestion. How do you feel about that? Well, I love the fact that this brought in a new costume, but sure. man, I can't help feel like, you know, Joe Schuster or Jerry Siegel when they sold Superman's rights uh. for a couple hundred bucks in the 30s, you know? You're just like, oh my God, you just sold a billion dollar franchise for a hundred, couple hundred bucks. It's That's true. a good point. Yeah, they're making a whole new comic based on his original drawing. Are they, are they giving him a few hundred more dollars now? Or is, are they cutting him in on a bigger slice of this profit? Is he still around? Like, I, I don't know. Do I don't we know think any so. Of this? I, I think he, he went on to be a doctor is what I read. Okay. Yeah, but I haven't heard anything from him. And Probably doing pretty good for himself then. He might not need... Like it wouldn't hurt if you get a cut of the proceeds of this new Spider-Man number one comic. That's you know, he tells all of his family that he like indirectly made Venom. I'm sure. I invented the symbiote. It's all me. <laughs> that's right. You know, Sir Kate's got to put him in the comic. That's right. <laughs> right? For real, though. Have you know, get ripped to shreds or something. You know, something. <laughs> yeah. All right. So another thing that's pretty interesting is that there's being solicited that Spider-Man is going to be dying soon in an up-and-coming series. Yeah, that's an interesting one. As is it? I guess out. the superhero's dying. That's... Yeah, Ryan is, Ryan is just complaining a lot today. It's I so hot. It. I can't help it. It's so damn I hot. I forgot here. to put the AC on. Uh, it's my fault. It's really Tom's fault. Uh, it's okay. We're going to keep it rolling. Spider Man's dying in, in what was it? Sensational? Friendly? No, Friendly Neighborhood friendly. Spider Man 12. Okay. And uh, somehow he's going to die yet solve his own murder. So it doesn't sound like he's actually going to die, but they're soliciting it as if he is going to die. It's a little confusing, but the marketing is there for a reason. Because when you say a character is going to die, you know, it potentially could spike the book. Yeah. And the first thing that I thought of was back in ASM 700. This is something that's happened before, and it's something that'll happen again and again and again. And I don't think it's helping anybody. Right. I mean, that wasn't even that long ago. That's the superior Spider-Man. Like, yeah, when he switched bodies with Doc Ock. And, and yeah, that whole that was not that long ago. Five, six years ago now. That's right. And it didn't even take very long for Peter Parker to come back. Yeah. So if this ends up being something kind of longer term like that, to me, this sounds like one standalone issue, like where it's a ghost investigating his own death or something like okay. that could be cool. But 
probably not going to change. I would imagine if it was the death of Peter Parker, it would be Amazing Spider-Man or even a standalone like one shot or something bigger. Something polybagged. Yeah. Yeah. What is happening with comics? You know, when issue five is issue four, (laughs) issue 12, a character's dead, but not dead and solving his own murder. It's raining cats and dogs. I mean, it's like Wolverine's got another child. I mean, like what's happening with this? universe man well it makes me happy that things like absolute carnage is coming out because i'm super stoked about this comic book even like the powers and house of x these types of things are super exciting like i want to go to my comic shop i want to pick it up and i want to read it on wednesday i don't want to wait to go on instagram those are wednesday books right yeah like straight up wednesday books um we're going to do a quick giveaway this is for our youtube audience and i encourage our audio audience to go to the youtube channel and comment on this video because that's how you enter to win this gorgeous gorgeous print by randy emberlin who did the inks on the classic asm that 360 plus issues all the carnage goodness and he signs it at the bottom geek responsibly for our show so thank you so much to randy emberlin we got a lot of dope giveaways coming and if you want to win this comment down below let us know what you think about any of these stories we like hearing from the comic fam and just know we may put you on the screen if you comment just want to remind the community that we do have a couple extra stories that we're going to continue to talk about after the cameras shut off so we're going to end today's show with some more interesting news here we have word that there are newsstand variants that have to be brought to the community's attention. We have an indirect source that got this from the publisher directly, that in late 2011 and early 2014, that the only department stores that were selling newsstand variants that received them at all were Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. So what that means is that we have a print count that made up probably between 3 to 5% of the total comics that were printed during those years that went to those stores directly. Now, what you have to do is keep an eye out for these newsstand variants because as time went on, the barcode was added in the bottom corner of direct market comic books as well. So what makes these comic books very different is that it actually says newsstand in the barcode. And not just that, There are key moments that happen in those years. And one comic book I want to bring to the community's attention is Ultimate Fallout issue number four. First appearance of Miles Morales. That's right. Big book. That's an epic milestone book right now. And to see that that book sells for what it sells. $350 at 9.8. Yeah, exactly. To then have it be the variant version of just distribute like you explained and have it be double potentially, if not more. That's right. We're actually seeing this book go for between $700 and $800. So this is a very, very clear case of, you know, some collectors know about it, but many don't, and it goes missed regularly. And one little caveat to just make this news that much sweeter about this book is that in the barcode, it actually says that it's a Black Panther book. So there's an error on top of the fact that this is a 3 to 5% uh, distributed comic book. It's awesome. I, I actually have four or five copies right now, and I have to now go back, dig them out, and check and hope that I have a barcode. But that's part of it, right? It's part of the game, the digging part of it, and hoping you find some something special. So, it makes me wonder what else is came out in that that era. Because my mind's going to New Fifty Two, started uh-huh. in twenty eleven. So you've got like you know a lot of that Scott Snyder Batman run could potentially have some of this on there. Heck yeah, man! In I my mean, mind. and later. So there could these are probably not going to be the first issues of that run, but yeah. there are some other books that have seen some gains, and not even in just the Batman run. I mean, there's Green Lantern that has some major keys that would have been right around that sweet spot that yeah, time. Jessica Cruz definitely would be in that window. Absolutely interesting. All right, thank you so much to our sponsor, Key Collector Comics, the best comic book collecting app that exists on the market. Hit the code tom 101 in that coupon box when you download it the link's in the bio to get it if you don't got it i don't know why you don't and then i want to say a big thank you to the comic book community thank you for watching us and remind you that this conversation isn't done we have another conversation to have with you but that's going to happen on the audio only formats on itunes spotify soundcloud and stitcher any uh last words to the community hey thanks guys for staying tuned in stick around for the audio portion make sure hit that subscribe button i want to say thank you too because this podcast last week was a pretty pretty successful video that's crazy man yeah. it actually combined with our audio portion performed better than our headlining show every week so for how long it was too i wasn't expecting that much of a, of a response it means a lot and thank you guys geek responsibly Ooh, enough 
said. Oh my goodness, comic fam. Oh, this was a tough show. You know, uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to just be honest with you. I messed up and I didn't like leave the air conditioning on in here. And we have to record in silence, which means that in this just really, really hot August day, we're just sweating profusely. The cameras aren't working. So then we're sweating even more because it's taking way longer to make the video. But you guys stuck through it. And I really do appreciate you. And hopefully over time, I get better at doing my job so that I can make this room more comfortable because I think it's going to make better video quality. Plus, it'll just be colder soon, which I, I'm, just, I'm willing to just hibernate for winter. Most most animals hibernate through the winter and to get to the summer. But I want to Imagine hibernate. if we had to hibernate. Like imagine how... I like, would love to. Are you kidding? Like, I hate summer. I just would bury myself in a hobbit hole for like four months and, and be done. It's like, what, is what is the guru doing? Oh, he's hibernating for another month. Oh, he's doing it early this year? Yeah, he's got a con to make. He's fine. Because like, right, we, we'd be able, I, th I imagine us being sentient and being able to choose when we could hibernate. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Jeff's over here going, I have no idea what the hell you guys are talking From like about. From late May to early <laughs> September. I've, I've worked this out already in my head. That's, oh my those goodness. are hibernation times. All right. Well, I do appreciate the community who have stuck with us and who are continually listening to us talk about hibernation right now. But we do have some comic book news that I want to discuss with the comic book community, the best community in the world. We're going to talk about Walking Dead right now because there's some uh -oh. news that was given to me, is provided to me by Nick over on Key Collector. Had no idea about this, but you knew a little bit about this before I did. Yeah, this Walking Dead, uh, number one, we're talking about the comic book. Walking Dead, number one. It's the premiere comic of that run. Yeah, premiere comic of the run. It's been around since, what, like 2001? Wait, they three. didn't put out number three first, and then number two, and then number one? <laughs> no, they did it number they one. They did number one first. That's right. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought by now? <laughs> yeah, It's by Albatross, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, but it came out in 2003, and obviously that book took off when the show came to, to fruition, and um, there was a lot of talk of different variations of the cover and very minor because there's some lettering there in white and there's some lettering there that could be in black at times and from what i remember back God, maybe 10 years ago now people were looking for the black specifically but a very small amount of people because they really felt that the black lettering underneath the number issue was more scarce than the white lettering and we're just getting now i guess real um like hard fact numbers that that is the case yeah so what information was provided because this has been a rumor because there are two okay well let's let's take it back a couple steps what are we talking about it says suggested for mature readers on the cover and there are black lettering that was published and then there is white lettering that was published and the rumor was that something happened in the printing and it was supposed to be black but some were white and because Robert Kirkman saw this early in the printing process, he said, oh, that's not going to pop enough. We need to change it. And the rumor was that this only affected like, you know, 30 or 40 percent of the books. And having a split like that didn't really affect the market that much. But now we have a word that this was actually way, way worse than 30 or 40 percent that Robert Kirkman actually stopped this after a measly 10%. So it's, it's still, you know, unconfirmed about exactly how many there are, but safe to say, you know, plus or minus 5%, 10 to 15. So 10 to 15% of these actually made its way out in white. And are we just talking about the words suggested for mature readers? It, wait, is it black or white? I'm black I'm, is the, the harder one to find. So okay. 10 to 15 percent of black got out, while the whites were the majority of 85 to 90 percent. I never would have caught that in my entire life. If you show, even if you had two copies right next to each other, said spot the side. difference, and I would, <laughs> it still wouldn't jump out at me that there's a whole. Yeah, that's that's weird. That's it's crazy. Yeah, it's very minor. But yeah. right now we're seeing Walking Dead prices starting to you know kind of curve a lot of the key books are not worth as much as they were at their height they're still selling for a pretty aggressive but you know nowhere near where it used to be and this is a book you know being that it is that premier issue as mentioned that is going to see the biggest changes and i know this is a book that was typically like two grand at shows at nine eight for quite some time yeah, I think it's, I mean, I haven't looked at numbers in a while, a long while but I've seen them drop down to 1300 and less yep. for 9.8s. So, I mean, look, it's a long-running series. Maybe everybody who really liked it has a copy now. Maybe it's going to take time for the marketplace to absorb everything. But for now, it's definitely in a lull. And um, But, you know, such as with comics, you know, things go in waves. So um, now might be the time to get into one. And considering that there is what could be 10 to 15% 
um, made of this particular variant is what we can call this. That may be the book to get especially if long-term this book is starting to get stagnant. The show is still going. They're still talking about the show's still going and they're talking about doing those movies with Rick. So like it might be a lull, but I feel like walking dead isn't quite dead yet. Even though I might want it to be still walking. It's still still going. It's crawling. (laughs) Yeah, it's crawling. All right. So now we have another fun thing that's happened this week. We had a new member to the Twitter community join us and I'm actually on Twitter. And you can follow me at Comic Time One Hundred One, and over on Twitter, I'm following Superman. DC Comics has made Superman a Twitter account, and it is awesome. All right, so we have a tweet from Gail Simone that's pretty great. She said, "Okay, hear me out. I have a theory. Superman is the really popular Daily Planet journalist Clark Kent. Let that sink in for a moment." And the response from Superman was, "Who's Clark Kent?" <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm digging this. I, I like to see that these characters are now getting some marketing behind them in the 21st century. This just should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. And I feel as, as a defender of Superman, I feel like if anybody needs the like an Aquaman level kind of character boost of coolness, it, it's it's soups. Oh, really? Like, bad, I don't, I don't know if a Twitter profile is going to be quite the thing he needs to re- revitalize interest in the character. They need they need some kind of like Jason Momoa level just boomf to the guy. Is but that, is that what Jason did? He did a boomf. He boomfed. You, know? you got to tell him that if you ever mm-hmm. meet him, like, dude, you really boomfed Aquaman. You are a great boomfer, sir. He's, that's all he does. You know? He just booms. Well, Superman came out strong, right? He came out here just like declaring, "Heard this place is, was in need of some truth and justice." I know, right? Like, shots fired, <laughs> I guess. Shots fired, <laughs> yeah. man. He's watch, like, I'm coming in here to save America. That's right. Watch out, social platforms. Soups <laughs> is here. All right. Um, well, let's leave you with one thing here. We do appreciate you, Comic Fam, and we're really excited to see the growth of this show. I'm determined to improve the quality every week. We're still kind of getting into the swing of things. You know, this is new for us. We've never actually made content that's longer than like 15 minutes or so. And we picked like the hottest day in, in, in creation to make the longest <laughs> longest creation. piece of content we've ever done. Oh my gosh. I need to take like a, like two showers, man. I'm just Dude, sweating. I have to get in my car and drive home. My car's sitting out there in the hot sun. So I'm going to open the door and sit down and I think I'm just going to die. Dude, all of us look so sweaty. I'm this so glad the cameras video. aren't on. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, we do appreciate the comic fam. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do us a favor. If you found any value to this and you're listening to us <laughs> this long on the audio format, we need your help. Uh, if you rate this podcast, it really does go a long way. And I just want to remind everybody as well that if you go to the YouTube channel and watch the video and com- well, uh, let me let me rephrase that. If you go to the YouTube channel and you go to the comment section and comment, that's going to make sure that you're entered to win this awesome Randy Emberlin print. We haven't figured out a way to do giveaways for our audio members just yet. There's multiple platforms. There's no comment sections. And once you rate it, you only rate it once. So we're going to have to stick to that YouTube process. Plus, you want to go to the YouTube video so you can see how cool the uh, the print itself looks. You can't see it with your ears. So... Use your eyes and go watch the YouTube thing just to at least see what the, what the print looks like and comment while you're down there so you can probably maybe get it. That's right. Mm-hmm. If you refuse to use your eyes, just trust me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like carnage. It looks we, like Randy have good Emberlin taste. carnage. It's awesome. All right. Thanks, Comic Fam. Geek Responsibly. We'll see you next Sunday. And we out. <laughs>